0: And good morning, the other side of Midnight Labor Day. Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano. A lot is coming up this morning. Later this hour, we will be taking your telephone calls. But right out the gate, right out the gate, standing by right now to join us is longtime political operative Roger Stone. So, Roger, before before I get into uh, politics, today is Labor Day. What does Labor Day mean to you? In fact, what should it mean to us? Dominic, I'm delighted to be with you on this Labor Day. And thank you. Before I get to the politics, Trump and so on, Mitch McConnell, his health issues and so on, today is Labor Day. What does Labor Day mean to you? What should it mean to all of us? Well, uh, on one
1: hand, it means that I can no longer wear my seersucker suits. Uh,
0: I, can, <laughs> I can no
1: longer wear my two-tone, two-tone spectator shoes or my white bucks. It means i got to put away the, the madras jackets. Uh, but I also think that it symbolizes the fact that hard work, Uh, and economic opportunity are what have made this country great. Uh, It's a day which we take off as a holiday to celebrate the industriousness of the American people. And frankly, like you, Dominic, even though we both have to work a little bit today, I'm kind of happy to have
0: the weekend off. Well, fair enough, fair enough, Roger Stone. And uh, before I get into uh, former President Trump, how long have you two guys, I know you're a senior, senior advisor to him, a friend for many, many years. How long have you guys known each other?
1: Uh, I've known Donald Trump for 45 years. I met him in 1979 when I was sent to New York to organize the campaign of Governor Ronald Reagan, then running for president. Uh, he was introduced to me by the infamous Roy Cohn, the Tammany Hall power broker and uh, uh, and uh, defense lawyer, uh, and um, I saw immediately uh, that he had the size—I don't mean the physical size, but I mean the stature, the independence, the spirit, the 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 fight, uh, the confidence to not only be a great presidential candidate, but also to potentially be a great president. And I think I have been borne out by that. Uh, he created the most robust economy in American history, uh, the greatest rate of job creation, the greatest rate of wage creation, uh, wage growth. The lowest levels of unemployment among all Americans, black Americans, white Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, rural, uh, urban, young, old. We had uh, we had an unprecedented economic boom, a record stock market. He brought billions of dollars back into the country by changing the the tax treatment of that money. So people would expand their companies here, build their factories here, uh, create jobs here. Uh, rebuilt our military strength. But most important, Dominic, he kept us out of war. We had no new, endless, expensive uh, foreign wars that were costing American lives and treasure during Donald Trump's four years. And he did bring troops back from the endless foreign wars in the Middle East. But he used drone technology, which we paid a lot of money for, to keep the Taliban and others pinned down so that they could not take control after uh, we withdrew uh, our men and women uh, in, in uniform, something that Joe Biden did not do in Afghanistan. So I am proud of my associate with, association with him. Uh, it has uh, been both a blessing and quite obviously a curse in some ways because his enemies are my enemies, uh, and I have been targeted – because of my friendship and loyalty to him i've been targeted really because i refused to turn on him uh, i refused to testify falsely against him in the entire russian collusion hoax uh, but i'm proud to call him my friend and i believe like another great new yorker grover cleveland who was elected president uh, and then removed from the White House in a disputed election, only to come roaring back and be elected president again. That he is headed back to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue.
0: Well, I, I agree with that. All signs are, are that it's exactly going to go down the way you just said, returning to the White House. But, it, you know, is it fair to say Roger Stone, I'm going to come back to his record in just one second that you just laid out for everybody to understand. And what you just said uh, is completely accurate. But is it fair to say, in my recollection of the history, you were pushing Mr. Trump to run for president all along? Is that fair to say? I I, I can honestly say uh,
1: that the first person that ever suggested he should run was former President Richard Dixon. They met in George Steinbrenner's box at Yankee Stadium for a game uh, and Nixon, who I had done some work for as a scheduler and handling political chores in his post-presidential years, also knew that I was close to Trump. And he called me the next day and he said, well, I met your man Trump. I said, what did you think, sir? I'm telling you, he's got it. If this guy ever decides to get into politics, he's going to go all the way. Uh, and that day he penned a note to Trump, which the New York Times has published, in which he says, typical Nixon, uh, I didn't catch it, but Mrs. Nixon saw you on the Mike Douglas show, but she and I agree, if you ever decide to run for public office, you have the potential to go all the way. So I was probably the second person, as early as 1988, to urge him to run for president. Uh, I tried again in 2000 uh, when his good friend Ross Perot, fellow billionaire, uh, urged him to seek the nomination of the Reform Party, which at that point was on the ballot in 30 states and was entitled to a $39 million check from the federal government for their uh, nominee under the federal matching fund program. Uh, and he did seriously look at running in 2000. Uh, and he ultimately decided after a lot of exploration, trip to Miami, trip to Los Angeles and so on, uh, that you could only be elected in this country as a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, and he elected not to run. But here's the thing, Dominic. Long after he withdrew from the from consideration, he actually won primaries uh, in Oregon uh, and uh, uh, and California, Reform Party primaries. He won them overwhelmingly, despite the
0: fact that he already said he wasn't running and he did no campaigning. Okay, we are chatting with Roger Stone, longtime advisor, friend of former President Donald Trump, you just laid out, and I'm Dominic Carter filling in for Frank Morano, you just laid out the president's record, and you were accurate in terms of the successful tenure that he had in the White House. So explain this to me, Roger Stone. I'm going to use a term that the kids use. Considering what Mr. Trump did for the country, why are there so many haters Uh, In the establishment, in the media, and so on. Why is he so hated by, by, I dare to say, 40 to 50% of the country? Uh, I think
1: he's hated because he is so very independent. You can't buy Donald Trump. You can't boss Donald Trump. Donald Trump uh, is not a typical politician, Dominic. He's not scripted. He's not handled. Uh, he, he, he's not managed, uh, he, he is not packaged. What you see is what you get. And he's a, a wild card for the traditional politicians. Uh, let me show you how that has worked to our advantage. Putin didn't invade Ukraine on Donald Trump's watch because Donald Trump warned him that if he did, to use Trump's words, I will hit Moscow with everything we have. He said, Vlad, you'll be laying in bed with your Russian prostitutes and you're going to see the bomb coming through the ceiling. And he he wasn't kidding. Uh, He said the same thing to Xi uh, about Taiwan. Don't even think about invading Taiwan. Now, as he said to me, look, they didn't know whether I would really do it or not. But they both thought there was a 10 percent chance I might do it. And therefore, they didn't dare move on Ukraine uh, or Taiwan. So Trump is despised by the status quo. Despised by the two-party duopoly and the leadership of both parties because he's completely and totally uncontrollable. He's a he's a free spirit. He he's his own man. Uh, and look, this the presidency has been a hardship for him. Uh, it, it has cost him tens of millions, if not billions of dollars off his net worth. It has disrupted his personal life. Uh, this guy had the greatest apartment in New York City. Uh, he has access to the greatest golf courses uh, in the country, actually around the world. Uh, he loves his family, loves his grandchildren. Uh, he loves the real estate business. Uh, he's, he sacrificed a great deal, uh, and the level of hate and vituperation that he has suffered, and he keeps on ticking. A lesser man would have folded under this kind of pressure, Dominic. Uh, And I think among the most important things he did was criminal justice reform, because the drug laws in this country were weaponized against minorities, black people, and poor people in the 1994 crime bill, written by Joe Biden, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and signed into law by President Bill Clinton. And the war on drugs, as launched by Richard Nixon, which was focused at drug kingpins and drug dealers and drug traffickers, now was weaponized uh, against end-line uh, end users. Meaning, if you had no prior criminal record, but you were caught with a small amount of drugs for your personal use, let's say the mother of three, the single mother of three, who has a little stash of marijuana in her purse, you should not be facing harsh mandatory penalties which destroy your life. Donald Trump didn't talk about this enough in the last campaign. I think he needed to talk about it more than he did because it is an epic uh, 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 accomplishment. And the most nauseating part about it is that African-American Democrats in the House who have wanted and talked about reforming our criminal justice laws for decades voted against it just because it was proposed by Donald Trump.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Simply opposition because of who's putting it forth. You are listening to The Other Side of Midnight. Frank Marano has the morning off on this Labor Day. I'm Dominic Carter filling in. We are talking to the legendary Roger Stone. Mr. Trump, Roger, has entered a not guilty plea without actually being there present uh, for the... Georgia election case, waiving a hearing. He was scheduled to be in Fulton County, Georgia, to be arraigned in Atlanta on Wednesday. What do you make of that? Is that is that a smart legal maneuver or what's behind it?
1: Well, you look, Dominic, I, I'm not a lawyer, uh, and I, I think that there are some ramifications, as I understand it, of a speedy trial versus not having a speedy trial. I'm not going to comment on that because I'm not familiar enough with it. But let let me say that that this entire war of lawfare against him is un-American. Every American has the right to question the irregularities and anomalies uh, in an American election. Every American has the right to go out and try to document voter fraud. Hillary Clinton did it. Hillary Clinton tried to stall the certification of the Electoral College in the U.S. Senate so with the help of John Podesta. Kamala Harris uh, insisted the 2016 election was stolen. Uh, so did uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin, Congressman Jerry Nadler, uh, Democratic National Chairman, later Governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, former DNC Chairman Howard Dean, Maxine Waters, Corrine Brown, All of these people questioned the outcome of an election. None of them were charged with criminality because it's not a criminal offense. This idea that Trump knew he lost but was trying to cling to power, because that is the underlying premise, that requires for you to know what was in Donald Trump's head and in his heart. I can just tell you, he didn't believe that he lost then. He doesn't believe that he fairly lost now to convict him either in Georgia or in Washington, D.C., based on the crimes he's charged with, you have to prove his state of mind. It doesn't matter how many quote-unquote experts told him that based on their opinion and their research he lost. What only matters is what he believed and what he thought. Now, I wasn't in touch with the president during that period. Uh, I wasn't involved in the effort to delay the certification of the Electoral College. I was not involved in the slightest in the efforts in Georgia. You wouldn't know that if you watch this this uh, obsessed lunatic, Ari Melber, on MSNBC, who last week accused me of everything with the exception of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, but I, I don't see a crime here. I, I see the weaponization uh, of our criminal justice system, uh, for strictly political reasons. Does anyone think that Donald Trump would be under the gun here uh, in court if he was not leading overwhelmingly in the Republican Party for the Republican nomination, but continuing to lead Joe Biden in the trial heats and nationally, despite the best efforts of the lame Jackals in the free media, the fake news media to suppress the stories about the Biden family corruption uh, while covering every iota, uh, uh, every little uh, scintilla uh, of bad news uh, about the legal moves against Donald Trump. You know, this is all politics. I think it is outrageously unfair and un-American.
0: We are chatting with Roger Stone. Dominic Carter in for Frank Marano, The Other Side of Midnight. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we will continue our conversation on this day.
1: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. side of midnight with Frank Marano, 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 Marano.
0: We are chatting with Roger Stone, longtime Trump friend and advisor Dominic Carter in this morning for Frank Morano, the other side of midnight on this uh, Labor Day. So, Roger, explain this to me, uh, the mugshot of former President Trump, which is disgusting for an American president to have to endure something like that. But it would perhaps destroy any other campaign, but not Trump's. Why is that?
1: Because Donald Trump uh, understood that the mugshot stands as a symbol of the great injustice being done to him. So obviously those who insisted on the mugshot thought it would humiliate him. Rather than humiliate him, he has worn it as a badge of pride. And the American people, I think, are shocked. To see any uh, American president treated this way since posting that mugshot uh, and his uh, arraignment in Georgia, his campaign has raked in 20 million dollars, seven million of that in the first 24 hours, by the way. Uh, and uh, the campaign is selling T-shirts and coffee mugs and banners uh, uh, and, and flags uh, with that image on it. By the way, if you don't have permission to use the image and you sell merch using the image, his campaign will come after you legally. So uh, he has, I think, showing that he is a showman, showing an incredible instinct for, uh, for the public and having his finger on the pulse of the public, he used that mugshot to turbocharge his campaign. You know, Dominic, it's a funny thing. I was uh, banned on Twitter in 2017. Twitter never really told me why why I was banned. I think it was because I I hurt Jake Tapper's feelings in a tweet. Uh, And then I was reinstated uh, less than a year ago. Uh, And when I was banned, I had 980,000 followers. And when I came back, I had 25,000 followers. But among those was Dominic Carter. And when I went to the direct message part of uh, uh, of Twitter, now known as X, I found the message from you when you were at New York One asking to get an interview with Donald Trump, which you got. Donald Trump was always a big fan of yours back in that day. Uh, I think if he lived in New York, he'd be a fan of you yet today. Uh, and uh, I told him I was going to do this interview with you, and he said, please tell Dominic I said hello.
0: Well, thank you for that, Roger. I I have always thought, and, you know, I've come under criticism for supporting Trump as an African-American, but you exposed me to him many years ago. Mr. Trump has always been a straight-up guy, my involvement with him. To say he is a racist is ridiculous. Ridiculous! He does a lot to help all Americans. The guy has a heart of gold. It, oh. it I, I mean, in terms of helping others, and I, I'm calling it the way that I see it. And I really think, and you know, what one of the one of the things that's out there, Roger. Oh, oh, the community hates Trump. You and I both know that the rappers, prior to the media demonizing Trump, the rappers, all these major rappers that are making millions and billions. They were in love with Donald Trump. Am I saying something that's not true? And they had personal contact and relationships with him. Am I stating anything that's not true? Uh,
1: look, put it this way. Nobody said he was a racist when he was contributing thousands of dollars to Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Coalition. Nobody said he was a racist when he was, when he was, uh, contributing, uh, to, uh, to the Reverend Al Sharpton's, uh, National Action Network. Uh, Nobody said he was a racist when he was championing Mike Tyson against false claims of sexual assault. Uh, That is correct. So uh, there's no question that a lot of rappers identified with the Trump lifestyle, uh, you know, the model girlfriends prior to his uh, very happy marriage to an extraordinary woman who I've known since uh, 1998, Melania Trump, one of the most gracious, kindest, most cultured, people you will ever meet, but someone who who doesn't love the spotlight, who shields her family from the spotlight. She, too, has been put through living hell by his critics. Uh, But uh, this is an an absurdity. Donald Trump has many, many African-American friends. uh, And I think things are changing in that community because African-Americans who have been abused by the system, because under Joe Biden's law, The mandatory penalties, if you're caught with rock cocaine, are much harsher than if you're caught with powdered cocaine. Who is that aimed at, Dominic? So people, I I think some people in the community can identify uh, with the unfairness of this
0: legal persecution
1: of Donald Trump.
0: Roger Stone, uh, we know you only have a few minutes left. You have a tight schedule this morning. We appreciate the time that you've given us. I just have a few uh, more questions. So the judge in the Georgia case, the state case, has agreed, uh, as it relates to Mr. Trump, to let the trial be televised and uh, live streamed. But I worry, Roger Stone, if this will be a public execution with the live cameras there, as you well know, Lawyers and prosecutors will posture posture plain to the to the cameras. Do you have any concern about the uh, the uh, trial being televised live, the state uh, trial in Georgia?
1: I think it's the Washington Post who has the slogan Democracy dies in darkness." Yet in both the Florida documents case uh, and in the in the washington d c January sixth case, the government' has moved very aggressively to seal all the documents from the public. So Donald Trump is ultimately uh, charged in Florida regarding his handling of documents, but we won't tell you what documents those are or what they're about. I don't think that's right. I think Trump's lawyers should have challenged uh, the SEAL, challenged uh, uh, those uh, rulings. I think the more the American people are allowed to see, the better. Yes, you're right. The prosecutors and presumably Trump's defense lawyers uh, will play to the TV cameras. But I think that if this trial is going to be the fiasco that I believe it is going to be, it is better for the American people to see everything. Uh, And Donald Trump. Who had a hit television show which played a major role in his ascendancy as a national figure and as a presidential candidate? He understands the power of television.
0: How do we get four trials? One in New York, two by the feds, one in Georgia. I mean, how convenient? Even if you beat the federal trials, all the establishment needs is one conviction in state court, and then you can't pardon yourself. Roger Stone, uh, here with Dominic Carter, in for Frank Marano, the other side of midnight. midnight. Let's say there is one conviction in state court and Trump is elected again. All signs are leading to that, right, in terms of him being reelected. How does that play out if he has the conviction in state court and he's the president of the United States? Well, again,
1: Dominic, I'm I'm not a lawyer. I would hope that the Georgia matter will get removed to federal court because he was president of the United States at the time, and the lawyers tell me that that would be very much appropriate. The New York prosecution is really a joke. It's a business records case, which should be a civil matter to begin with, Alvin Bragg has bumped this up to be a felony. U.S. attorneys uh, in the Southern District who are certainly not fans of Donald Trump all examined this case and declined to bring it. It is a political hit job. Uh, Of that, there is no doubt. But looking at these poll numbers and understanding the determination and the resolution of Donald Trump, Dominic, this guy could elect, get elected president again from a prison cell. That could actually happen. And then because he's entitled to lifetime Secret Service protection as a former president, I don't know how you could incarcerate him. Uh, I, I, that would be extraordinarily unwieldy. I don't know how that could possibly work. The unfairness of this, I think, is so transparent to the American people.
0: Roger, let's call it for what it is. You are a genius when it comes to uh, politics. The other day, Trump was talking up Ramaswamy uh, about a possible Trump-Ramaswamy ticket, something. uh, Is it fair to say that that might happen, in your opinion? Well, I think it's a wide-open question. You can't
1: select your vice presidential running mate until you see how the contest for the nomination goes. Uh, and uh, Ramaswamy has handled himself extraordinarily well. Now there are a lot of questions about his background. I'm very impressed with him. His mastery of the issues is very impressive. Uh, he he defends and argues the America First agenda, particularly on climate change uh, and other issues. Yet he seems to have had an association with the. World Economic Forum, which is a globalist organization that opposes American sovereignty. He, without any question, was a a George Soros fellow. Uh, On the other hand, he he really has the chops in terms of his arguments. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, But perhaps, Dominic, uh, he, he ends up in the in the Trump cabinet, maybe secretary of commerce or or any other secretary of the treasury or any other number of jobs that he would be well qualified for. I personally would advise the president, regardless of the outcome, I I, I like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I like the fact that he's the only Democrat out there talking about sealing the border. He's the only Democrat out there who's not an enthusiast for World War III over Ukraine. Uh, I like his stand on health freedom. I don't think he's going to be nominated. I think he's going to create a, a block of voters, both Democrats and independents, uh, who ultimately will anure to the benefit of Donald Trump. What I'd like to see, Dominic, is Donald Trump appoint Robert F. Kennedy Jr., an attorney, Uh, As Attorney General of the United States, let him conduct an investigation into the last pandemic so we can find out exactly what happened uh, and let him clean out the deep state in our intelligence agencies and in our politicized Justice Department.
0: Interesting. Just one or two more questions, Roger, I promise, and then we'll let you go. We know you have a busy schedule this morning. So why why we are chatting with Roger Stone here on the other side of midnight, Dominic Carter and for Frank Marano. Why is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis not doing better? Size up the Republican field.
1: Uh, I think he's not doing better for a number of reasons. First of all, and I, I didn't think this would happen. But I think there is a recognition that Ron DeSantis was an unknown congressman with a not very distinguished record. Uh, He was running against the party establishment candidate here in Florida, the agriculture commissioner who had served in Congress. All 67 Republican county chairmen in the state endorsed the other guy. Uh, Every Republican in the state Senate and the state House endorsed the other guy. The Senate president and the House Speaker endorsed the other guy. Uh, every Republican member of the congressional delegation, with the exception of Matt Gaetz, endorsed the other guy. Ron DeSantis was losing 49 to 7. His campaign was out of gas. He had no money. It was only the tweeted endorsement of Donald Trump that lifted this guy out of obscurity uh, and made him governor. And even then, he was such a weak candidate that President Donald Trump in 2018 had to change his schedule for the last two weeks to do three rallies in Florida to literally drag Ron DeSantis, who, as you can see, is charisma challenged uh, over the finish line. Uh, so I think many voters see his candidacy as an act of disloyalty, uh, as an act of treachery. Secondarily, I think his candidacy was based on a false premise that when Trump was charged in these legal matters, that his candidacy was going to collapse, that his money was going to dry up, he was going to drop in the polls, and he would be done. And Ron DeSantis would inherit all that. The exact opposite has turned out to be true. The persecution of Donald Trump has, has turbocharged his campaign. And then, Dominic, in all honesty, there is, and this is very important in politics, the likability factor. Ron DeSantis is a cold fish. He never looks you in the eye. He doesn't like to shake hands. He wears earbuds even when he's not listening to anything to avoid human contact uh, he, he is very socially awkward. He may even have a personality disorder of some kind. People don't take to him. To to see him and meet him is to not like him. That's why they have tried to use his wife much more as a surrogate in the campaign because she's eminently uh, more likable, uh, although I think it is her ambition that has really driven him to a, an unwise campaign. He's 42 years old. He just got reelected. We have a we have a hurricane here in Florida this past week uh, that has left a path of devastation. But the state run insurance company, Citizens Insurance, which is the home insurer of last resort, is insolvent under the leadership of Ron DeSantis. So uh, it's very hard for me to understand. He has harmed his brand, not just in this election, because he's not going to be nominated, uh but he has hurt himself very badly here in Florida. His unfavorable rating is rising. He is term limited, so he cannot run for governor again. I have predicted on my show, which you can hear every Sunday on WABC from three to five uh, Sunday afternoons, either by going to 770 on the AM dial, uh, if you live in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, or by going to WABCradio.com. I have predicted that Ron DeSantis' wife, Casey Jill DeSantis, some call her Jillery, uh, is going to run for governor uh, at the end of Ron DeSantis' second term, because I think they are too addicted to the lifestyle, too addicted to the to the elitism, too addicted to uh, uh to the high life to walk away from politics.
0: Quick response on this, Mitch McConnell. What do you make of this, Roger Stone? President Biden has defended uh, his GOP rival uh, after the Senate leader once again froze up while answering questions from reporters insisting that the bizarre episode is part of his recovery from a recent concussion. Your reaction?
1: Uh, look, I think Joe Biden is looking at uh, Mitch McConnell and saying, there but for the grace of God go I. It's, it's, I think, obvious to any fair-minded American that Joe Biden himself has cognitive issues, that he's not in robust health, that that he doesn't have the stamina uh, this is not age based. Donald Trump is 77. I traveled with him for four days, three weeks ago. Uh, he has the energy uh, uh, and stamina of a lion. It's beyond belief. <laughs> we left we left Newark Airport at six o'clock in the morning. We flew to Iowa, did a rally, flew to Las Vegas, did another rally, then went to the UFC fight. Uh, in Las Vegas. And at 1.30 in the morning, he wanted me to come to his hotel room to have a Diet Coke with him. So the, the guy is, uh, he has the stamina and energy level to be president again. I have serious questions about whether Joe Biden uh, is in condition to go the distance. Uh, and I have serious questions about whether Mitch McConnell has the capacity to remain as Senate leader. I pray for him. Uh, I, I don't particularly like him politically, but uh, I, I learned in my own tribulation, uh, I earned learned that you have to pray for those you don't
0: like. You have to pray for those who are on the other side. Roger, we appreciate the time you've given us this morning. I close this way. Trump pardoned you. How tough was it going through that entire experience, a trial and so on, Uh, It it was tough for me watching it as someone that has known you all these years and knowing, frankly, your good heart, the type of person that you are, that no matter what time of day or night that I called you, you were always there offering advice without you benefiting anything. How tough was that for you?
1: Uh, It was living hell, particularly since I knew that I had done absolutely nothing wrong. I was charged with lying under oath in my voluntary testimony to the House Intelligence Committee uh, because uh, Democratic members of the House shared my testimony illegally, because it was classified, uh, with members of Robert Mueller's team, uh, and members of Robert Mueller's team shared the emails and text messages they got with a warrant with members of the House Committee so they could fashion gotcha questions. How do you lie under oath about Russian collusion, that never actually happened. Uh, Ari Melber again on MSNBC last week saying, Stone was the link between WikiLeaks uh, and the Trump campaign. No, I was not. The government produced no evidence whatsoever. In fact, here's the hardest part, Dominic, after losing my home, my car, my savings, most of our insurance, after my wife is diagnosed with aggressive stage four cancer, which I'm convinced was brought on by the stress of the personal two years of the media beating on me as a traitor, as a Russian spy, the House, uh, the the Justice Department was forced by a federal judge to disgorge the last remaining long-redacted sections of Robert Mueller's report in which he could not sugarcoat the fact that he had found, quote, no factual basis, close quote, for a claim that I colluded with the Russian's coordinated or collaborated with WikiLeaks, or for that matter, any other crime. So I was put through hell to try to squeeze me to testify falsely against Donald Trump. They wanted me to say that some 26 or 29 cell phone calls between me and Trump in 2016 pertained to election interference with the Russians or with WikiLeaks. And it was a lie, and I refused to do it. And I prayed fervently that Donald Trump would see that uh, and that he would, in an election year, have the courage and strength uh, to pardon me. uh, And uh, the good Lord answered my prayers. It was a horrific experience. And now I know exactly, and perhaps General Michael Flynn and I, Paul Manafort, the only ones who can really understand how terrible what donald trump is and his family
0: are going through right now is Roger Stone. we thank you for all the time you've given us this morning you've uh we you know i I wish I had more time to focus on your trials and tribulation and what you had to go through because what just stood out to me is that you said you lost your home, your home, and no American you had to sell your home. no American should be forced to go through that. Uh, you know, with with this type of situation. But we thank you for joining us this morning. The great and legendary Roger Stone here on the other side of midnight. Thank you very much, Roger. Thank you, Dominic. Dominic Carter in for Frank Marano. Time for a break. When we come back, we will be taking your telephone calls, 800-848-9222. We'll be right back.
1: The Other Side of Midnight.